Hello everyone, it is I, Pastor Colonel from Seed Time Harvest Ministries. Go to SeedTimeHarvest.net, check us out. Not, some of you are not going, so I need you to go and just check out the website and send people to our ministry on the website and so they can listen to our broadcast. We have uh, Law Talk Radio episodes there embedded into the webpage so you can go back and listen. Also, if whatever is your favorite streaming platform, chances are we, we are there. I believe that we are the largest streamer in the world as a result of being on at least 15 or more platforms simultaneously, and that adds a greater viewer audience. So welcome, everyone. I want to say hello to everyone on Witness Project with Sister Deanna, who's uh, ministering there on her chat rooms. And we just appreciate everything that's going on. Well, you wouldn't believe what just happened right before I came into the studio. This is a cool little story. Oh, my son went out in the back, took his little BB gun out there, his pellet gun, and harvested a squirrel. And then he began to commence skinning that squirrel, cleaning it, preparing it. And I didn't know anything about it. I was just kind of waking up from a nap, getting rested and prepared for today. And and I said, I can't help you skin that squirrel. I'm, I'm getting ready to go in the studio. I don't have time to do it. I got to get set up. So I want to say uh, my son uh, cleaned his or skinned his first squirrel today. I haven't seen the final results of that squirrel just yet, but I've, I've heard him out there fooling around with it. And, and, and so I guess he finished it up. And it's dark out there now. So that was another thing. It was getting dark and it was going to be hard. But I just couldn't stop what I was doing to help him. So he's, he's growing up. He's definitely a boy through and through. And, and so we're, <laughs> it's kind of funny. You know, it's how these things are. You know, at the last minute, people, you know, got to have something like right now. I need help. I need this. I need that. Or this is broken. And, and every weekend seems like there's a last minute thing that we have to jump through the hoops for and, and try to resolve. But anyway, it looks like I think he got it figured out. I did my best to instruct him and tell him how to show him kind of illustrate with my hands on what to do. But tonight's message is the final instructions, the final instructions. And this is the last instructions Jesus gave in person after his resurrection. And, you know, I'm not sure if I've ever heard anybody preach chapter 21 of John. I don't think I've ever heard, far as I know, anyone teach or preach from, from chapter 21. And, but I think there's a lot of messages in there and, and very subtle, not so obvious messages that I would like to bring to the forefront, bring some understanding to how some of these scriptures are related to other things, whether uh, futuristic or past tense. And I want to bring understanding and, and on some certain things. This is kind of important. So this is more of a, even though the message is called Final Instructions, I want to give you some instruction. And so one day you may remember and recall these things as things happen on how things are to fall into place. And I know you don't understand what I'm talking about now, but if you just give me a little bit, we're going to go through this. And I was praying for like a week or two, like, Lord, how am I going to teach from this chapter? It's not much there. It's only 25 verses and, and it's just more of a story. It's not, you know, about salvation and giving your heart to the Lord. It's not about healing and, and all these other things that we read about in the gospel. But there's mess, there are messages in here for disciples. 
So this may not be a salvation message, but it's a message to help prepare and train disciples for things to come. And, and I would say even start laying the foundation today. All right. Amen. So let's just let's just let me get through my opening comments. We'll go into prayer. And also, let me just say this. The phone number is on the screen at 602-753-1977. If you press one, we'll know that you want to talk to us. I'll be Block Talk Radio. Pastor Chuck will take you in the green room, say, hey, what's going on? What you want tonight? And we'll get you in the queue as quickly as possible. Don't wait till the last minute to call in. That's not the way to do it because we're, we're, we're leaving after two hours. So if you want to, to be part of this, if you need us to minister you, to you in some capacity, don't wait till the end of two hours because we're going to wrap it up. Okay. I hate to be that way, but we've got two hours to minister. And the reason we're sharing the gospel or sharing teaching is to give you time to call in. We've got all that time. And then there's times that we finish and we're like, okay, let's see if we can get some callers in and we're kind of trying to burn time to get you to call in, trying to hoping that you would call in. So no reason to be shy. I can't see you. Uh, you can probably, you may be able to see me and you can, you know, come in and, and ask questions or tell us about your situation and what you need the Lord to do. And, you know, it's just like calling some other company, if you will, like you're making a phone call to a the doctor's office or making a phone call to the mechanic's shop or to the print shop or to the grocery store or whatever to get your prescriptions. It's just like that. Okay. You don't know who you're talking to, do you? Um, no, you usually don't. So you don't see them. There's no reason to be nervous. Okay. Just be at ease. We're here to, to love you and to, you know, treat you like a fellow, uh, person, you know, like in, in Christ. We're going to love you and treat you very gentle and, and try to love you the best we can as the Spirit directs. Amen. Well, here we go. John chapter 21, verse, verse uh, 1 through uh, 25, I believe it is. And um, we want you to join us there, and we're going to <clears throat> preach from there. All right. So here's Jesus made his last appearance to the disciples before he put them to task. Okay, so this is the last time they're going to talk to Jesus face to face as a resurrected Christ, as a resurrected Jesus, a Messiah, Son of God. Okay, so this is a kind of important. This is the last time. See, like if, if this is the last time you're going to say something to somebody, you want to make it count at this point, right? Now, we know the Lord speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. We know God. We hear God. He tells us, he convicts us through his spirit and we, and through our hearts. So we know that, but this is like a flesh on flesh conversation, a person to person, mano a mano, man to man type kind of conversation to his disciples. All right. So it's the father's perfect will. We be saved. So if you want to know the will of God, the only will you need to know is that we, the people of this earth be saved. All right, so I said, what, what's the will of God in my life? For me to be saved. Well, what about this? No, just be saved. Seek ye first the kingdom of God in his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. First and foremost, get your heart and life right according to the God's scripture and his commandments by loving. That's it. If you want to know God's will in your life, be saved. That means be born again. 
surrender to God completely as much as you can each time. We're, we're all, I heard someone say today, and they were rightly correct in this, that, that yeah, we're, we're born again, we're saved, but we haven't fully surrendered. None of us have. There's always something that we still cling on to or we have. And the, the goal is to, uh, you know, to work toward the complete, utter surrender to God so that he may have his perfect will in our lives. Amen? Well, that's another thing that I'll preach another time. So let me start over. Jesus made his last appearance to his disciples before he put them to task. It is the Father's perfect will we be saved. But it is our work, that's what we're to do, our work to believe Jesus is the Son of God. The more you believe and trust in Jesus with all your ability, because you love him, I guess the more saved you become, the more revelation of God become and have. We have a start point, but our ultimate goal is to have a new glorified body and stand before God. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Boy, I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> I don't know if I'll rest. I'll be jumping and shouting and running like a crazy madman because I'll be in the presence of God. Amen. But that's our work. So his perfect will is that we be saved, but it is the, the work that we just believe upon his son. Amen. If we believe, we will be raised up in the last day. So over the evolution of mankind from Adam till now, men have died. And there's men and women who have believed in Jesus Christ, in God. And they will one day be resurrected with all the other believers. And actually, everyone will be resurrected, just so you know. Everyone. Because everyone will be resurrected. The sea will give up their dead. The land will give up their dead. And they will all be judged at the great white throne judgment. So eventually, we'll all be resurrected. The thing is, is will you be resurrected at the first resurrection? Or the second resurrection, which is... Death, the judgment of death. Amen. So those are things we, if you don't know what that is, you need to, you know, read Revelation and read some of the book of Matthew and Mark. It addresses those things. Okay. So here we are. We're going to be raised up in the last day. The harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. Do you think we have much of a harvest right now? No. I was out Saturday. I, I wanted to go and do some work. I went to McDonald's. That's usually, you know, McDonald's around here play Christian music. I don't know about where you are, but McDonald's around here, because they're competing with Chick-fil-A, and Chick-fil-A plays Christian music. And so I go into McDonald's, they're playing Christian music, so I can, I still put on my headset, and I can still hear the music, but I do that in case I get phone calls, I can talk. And, and so I'm sitting there preparing and doing a few things and, you know, seeking God in, in, in this young lady who works at McDonald's, I began to engage her in conversation, talking to her about the goodness of God. And I could tell that there was something, some kind of conviction happening in her because she began to look uncomfortable. Now, maybe it's because I was talking to her about that. She didn't like it. I don't care. But regardless, she got into a place of realization that the word of God was strong. Now, the question is, that's just one person. There's going to be a day that it won't be like 
casting one rod and reel into the water and reeling it in or waiting for the, the floater or the bobber, what do you want to call it? Some people call it a bobber, some people call it a floater. But regardless, it goes down and the pole bends and you got your fish and you pull it up, right? I like to fish. I like to fish. I just came back from Panama and I, we caught 58 or 52, I don't remember, it was almost a quad, over 50 fish that we skinned and cleaned and took home. And they were all bass. Great fishing in the lakes of Panama. Anyway, there's, it won't be one-on-one -on -one like that. It will not. It'll be like casting nets. Wouldn't you like to save, lead a lot of people to Christ at one time? So many you can't, you can't handle it? Have to get people to help you? That's the end day harvest. That's what we have looked forward to. That's what's going to happen. We're going to be like Jesus and the multitudes. They will be drawn to him. Remember, the scripture says he was sitting up on the hill over there near Galilee, and people began to come to him. Multitudes of people. And he began to preach. And he was able to feed them, not only from fish and bread, but he fed them the word of God. But there's another analogy, too. And I, I wish I could preach. I've preached it before. Let's keep going. So we are getting a harvest like never known since the resurrection of Jesus. I'm telling you, this is what we get to look forward to is a great harvest. Not like fishing and waiting for something to bite like, like many of us share our testimony or share the gospel of Jesus Christ and just hope somebody takes the hook and we catch them, can reel them in for the kingdom of God, for the harvest of the kingdom of God. Many Christians don't. There are some some churches that have large congregations and they're able to give a call to Christ and some people raise their hands and they go down and they receive Christ for the first time and that's great because they're able to bring people in in, in a greater multitude and so the odds are if you got 2,000 people you might get 12 people to give their heart to God, right? So the odds are better that you're going to catch more but still, relatively speaking, out of 2,000 people or 1,000 people, 12 people are still a relatively small amount of fish to catch, don't you think? Especially if there's a, a, a pond. My, my father had a pond, and he stocked it with fish. And he would go out every evening after work, and he would feed those fish, and those fish would come up, and they would swim with their mouths open like sharks and eat up all that food. The catfish grew as big as me. No joke. My daughter was, I think, four or three years old, and she caught a, a, a fish on her little mini mouse rod and reel. And the line wasn't strong enough to reel it in, so I had to jump in the water, catch the catfish by its head and its gills, and, and drag it out. And the fish was as long as she was tall, weighed probably more than she did, or about the same amount of weight, perhaps. So that was a big fish. But there were times I could take a fly rod out there and just have a little fly, and I could just swing it out there. And every time that fly would hit the water, the fish would hit it. And I'd just swing it back in, and I would shake it, and it would come right off, and I'd throw it back in there. I had a pile of fish. It's like the cartoons. I was swinging in there and bringing it in. They would come off the hook, and I'd swing it back out, catch another one, come back. I mean, it was like that. I had a pile of fish in a matter of minutes. That's a great harvest. But this, when we are going to have a harvest like casting nets. But see, I was able to handle those one at a time. But can you imagine handling a whole net full? Anyway. Let's move on. Praise God. So the, the harvest, the great harvest is coming. It's coming. We're going to have a harvest like never known since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, the scripture says that we will, there will be, it'll be a time of tribulation like never known in history nor to be in the future. 
This harvest will be the same way. This harvest will be greater ever, greatest harvest ever known in history and to come. Did you know that? Didn't, didn't God say, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh? Anyway, so it will be, its harvest will be like Peter dragging the nets into the boat. So there's, you know, Peter cast the nets twice. He was in a boat one time and cast it to the other side. And he had to get another boat to help bring it in. They thought the boat was going to sink because there were so many fish. And guess what? The nets didn't break. They were still able to capture them. And then this particular time, in the last chapter of John 21, he drags, they drag it into the shore. Isn't that something? So it sounds like he had to get out of the boat or the water and walk to shore, kind of like I had to jump in the water to get that fish and drag it to the bank. It's what he had to do. It'll be like, our harvest will be like Peter dragging the nets into the boat, like the first time he, he cast the nets, and like dragging a net onto shore. It'll be a, so heavy and so much that it'll be like he can't do it himself. He'll have to have help, right? Each time Jesus instructed to cast the nets, remember when he was in the boat, and this time at the end, so there's two different events, but same results. The harvest was so great that it was almost impossible to collect the harvest that time in the boat, because it was about to sink the boat, and some other people had to come help him, or dragging the net onto the shore. Now, listen to this very closely. When Jesus fed the multitude, the, the loaves and the fishes, he broke them up in companies of 50 men. So you think the men possibly were married and had a wife, so that would be 100. So just think if they were children plus unmarried people, that would make about 150 people perhaps, roughly, approximately, it doesn't have to be exact. But in this particular case, when Peter drug in the nets, drug it in onto shore, there was 153 fish in that net. Symbolic. We will be formed in companies. Even the infantry fights in a company of approximately 150 soldiers with one company commander, three or four lieutenants, and a multitude of sergeants and squad leaders and things like that, but many privates, okay? An infantry company is comprised of approximately 150 people if it's, if it's manned 100%. And that would include the medics, that would include the, the supply sergeant, that would include you know, all the various tasks, the radio operators, the mortar men, the weapons section, the heavy weapons section, the, the, the riflemen, it would include them all. And it would include the uh, crew serve teams of the anti-tank weapon guys that shoot the, the anti-tank rockets and things like that. You know, it would be a, a full-blown company. Then you'd have an air defense team with stingers to shoot down jets, a little team of that for air defenders. And so you have all these people with all these unique tasks to destroy the enemy, a perfect company to rage warfare. But we will be formed in companies. Just as Jesus organized the feeding of the multitudes in groups of 50 men, and we had to assume that they were wives, and then there was brothers and sisters, and then there were, you know, maybe children, and then maybe family units of, of adults too, you know, grown children, men and women that weren't married yet, okay? So that's about 150. He organized them in groups of 50 men, okay? This was... This was the only number of men and not wives or unmarried. So that's kind of regurgitating what I just said. The harvest in this story was 153 large fish. 
a company size, approximately 150 people. It is the shepherd, the shepherd, Jesus Christ, to shepherd the shepherd. And the shepherd, the company commander, if you will, to, to be the shepherd of the company so it's manageable. It's manageable. See, the problem is, is with many churches, the, the pastor can't properly shepherd. And, and to be a pastor, okay, pastoring is just not preaching. The preaching is like an evangelist. The evangelist and preacher are like one and the same. But the pastor is to lead people into warfare, are they not? How many churches are engaging in warfare? And I'm talking about spiritual warfare. And how many churches are so big that people don't even know their pastor? They don't know the company commander. I mean, they know him by name and by that's the pastor up there, but they don't know the pastor. They don't know much about him other than the stories they tell, but they are not able to hear your story. They're unable to lead you, right? It's like that in many churches. There's not proper shepherding. It is so, so we're to follow. We as a body of Christ. This is so important we understand this, and I think this is why there's maybe problems right now. We are to follow the type and shadow of government that Jesus gave us for the purpose of the kingdom of God's government. Operate in companies, okay? That we are to operate in companies by a shepherd, with a shepherd, amen? So let's begin our scripture here. Or if you have just joined us, we're in John chapter 21. It's the last chapter in this, uh, in the gospel. And so, Father, I just ask you to, to come down and to minister to our hearts. Instruct us to be where we are supposed to be. Not only in your will, in believing Jesus is the Christ, but also in obedience and continuous revelation of what surrender is. Giving oneself up or giving our mind over, giving our heart over, giving our body over, giving our things over, whatever it is that we are to give up for the purpose of being, of, of attaining the kingdom of God, whatever that is. And that's Christ Jesus, that we believe in him. We obtain Christ through surrender to allow him to rule and reign. Lord, that he would rule and reign in our lives. And Lord, if there's no one who knows Jesus Christ, let that let them come forward tonight and, and be saved. Let them come forward and, and come to the knowledge of the love of God, Christ Jesus, who is the love of God, his son. It's your will be done, Lord, tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1, chapter 21 of John, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. The Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed him. So, so this is how he showed, this is when he showed up. And, he's, and the, John's going to go ahead and kind of describe what the events happened. So that's when he says, in this way, he, he showed himself. Okay. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, that would be John and James, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. That's a lot of people to go fishing, right? <laughs> they went out and immediately got into the boat. So they, they, I guess they were on the shore, and Peter says, man, I'm going fishing. I want something to do. I, I got to be doing something. I want to go catch some fish. We're going with you. And they immediately went right at that moment. And that night they caught nothing. They caught nothing. 
They had sowed their nets. They had sowed seeds to catch fish, but there was no harvest. They kept reeling in the nets and it was empty, maybe full of branches and various plant life from the, from the water of the, of the Sea of Tiberias and maybe junk floating in the water. Who knows what it was in the nets, but it was never the right harvest. Can you imagine fishing all night? I've done that. I've gone fishing and not caught anything, knowing the fish are there, seeing the fish through the water, seeing them jump out of the water and all these things. I've gone fishing knowing there's fish there and they just don't bite. Can you imagine how aggravated they were, how frustrated they were? I think the scripture may use the word sorrowful or they, they you know, kind of were like regretful. They work so hard and nothing happens. This is like many of us today. We're serving God. We're casting the nets. We're throwing the seeds and no fish, no harvest. To include many churches, to include this ministry and many other ministries. Now, some people do come to Christ, but not a net full of people, not a big net full of fish. You know, I would I would relate it to maybe like the Billy Graham Crusades or something to that effect where hundreds and possibly thousands of people come and proclaim and confess with their mouth that they believe in Jesus Christ as son of God. Okay, that's the only time I know of where there's been large harvest. Okay, as as events like that, the Crusades. And I said, why aren't we doing Crusades anymore? Why? Because there's no harvest. They're casting nets and nothing's being caught so they give up and they quit why do you think pastors many times don't have altar services anymore well it's just the same people over and over coming down they need to get their heart right well there's nobody coming to the church you sitting there throwing seeds and nothing's happening there's people in the church that are lost and they're still not coming down and giving their hearts and surrendering to god church is full of i was one of them i can't profess with my mouth but i had no heart transformation I was lost. I was still living in sin. And the churches, masses of people like that, to include pastors themselves and the the pastor's families are like that. Some, not all. There's a few out there. But they caught nothing. All night long and caught nothing. The darkest hours. So no wonder people quit and give up when they fish. Like me, I get disappointed sometimes. I remember I tell this story where I was, I, I took a motorcycle ride into the jungles of Burma, way into the bamboo, and went to a place, and I preached, and then I preached, and I thought, man, I got the anointing of God on me. I know it. This is going to be a great heart. This is going to be a good time. And maybe six people, maybe, maybe it was only four. I don't know. I think I counted six. Six people raised their hands that I'm going to, and I think some people had already were just raising their hand to help me feel good, perhaps. That's how pathetic it was. People was, oh, well, let me, you know, the pastor came all the way out here. So maybe I'll just raise my hand and make him feel better. And it's not just a waste of his time. I believe some people did that. And I believe people do it today, too, still. They looking around, hey, nobody's raising their hand. Well, I'll raise my hand, maybe make it, maybe help the service along a little bit. Well, anyway, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, I came all the way out here, flew across the ocean, traveled all the way up in this other place, took another boat, took a motorcycle to get to where I'm going. And this is it? Six people out of like 120 people, maybe 150 people, only six people 
And I was very disappointed. I said, Lord, I know that your anointing was on me. What's wrong? Lord said, begin to heal them. So, you know, people were crammed into this building. They were sitting on the floor and I had no platform space to walk around. I had to stay in a little bitty space for myself and the translator. And so, you know, there was, so everyone was crammed into this place, had no room, no platform, nothing, no, no, no space at all, other just to hold my Bible and to preach. That's it. So I said, who here would like to be healed today? I'm going to prove to you that this Jesus Christ is real. How many of you want to be healed? And hands, about every hand went up. I was like, oh my goodness, how can I do all this? So I called the first three people right there at, their, at my feet. Two of them were healed, no problem, easy, no, no issue. Then the third one came, brought the third one up. We ministered healing to this individual, and this woman was healed. She was so excited. She began to dance and sing and do folk stuff. I think it was folk uh, music and from the tribes and whatever it was. And she was happy. And she said, whatever this man says, you need to do it because what he's saying is true because I've been healed. And so the translator told me what she said. And I said, oh boy, here's my chance. How many here would like to believe Jesus Christ is son of God because you saw that he just healed this person and give your heart to that because this God is real. You see the power that's, that he has. He can heal people. And everybody, every hand went up. We led an almost an entire village to Christ over one healing. Well, come to find out, this woman was an elder of the village. I didn't know that. How was I supposed to know? And because of her testimony, she said, it's okay. You have my approval because I believe and I know what just happened to me. You can do the same thing. You can believe. So they didn't, they probably wanted to give their heart to the Lord, but couldn't because of, you know, having to go through the bureaucracy of, a, of the elders of the village and getting their approval and their seal of approval so that no harm and no, they wouldn't be cast out of the Buddhist village. It was a Buddhist village. And guess what? Buddhists are ruthless, especially out there in the middle of nowhere. And, and they control things. They're the government, <laughs> you know? And, and so they, maybe, maybe in their heart they believed but I didn't know that. But she gave approval, and so many people came to Christ. Anyway, I'm sharing this story to you that I know, the, I know what it feels like to, to, to labor and nothing happen as per harvest to the kingdom. So Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going fishing with you. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. <laughs> nothing. Like many of us, we're sharing our testimony. We're talking about Jesus, and no one's coming to Christ. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? Basically, have you caught anything? They answered him, no. They, they didn't have any food because they didn't catch anything, right? So they couldn't skin out the fish to cook. Let's take a look at Psalms chapter 30. Psalm chapter 30, verse 4. It says, Sing praises, O Lord, you saints of God, or it says his, but it's God, and give thanks at the remembrance of God's holy name, or his holy name. For God's anger, or his anger, is put for a moment, but is only for a moment. His favor, listen to this, those 
who, who believe in abortion, those who are for abortion, here's your verse. God's favor is for life. It says his favor is for life, but God's favor, they're talking about God. God's favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night. So someone gets pregnant, they regret it, they regret that they sin, they regret that this, they're in this situation, and they have this sorrow, right? And, and so uh, his anger is only but for a moment, okay? His favor is life. What he favors is life. So you got to remember, God wants things to live so he can use them for his purpose. That's why. So when, when babies are aborted, those babies have, have, man has intervened and prevented those babies to come into fruition to God's will. Whoever calls any one of these little ones to stumble is better you just cast that, put that millstone upon your neck and be cast in the ocean. You're going to go down. You're going to go down to the abyss. Weeping may endure for night. So you're sad that this event has happened. You're, you're upset. You're stressed. But joy comes in the morning. Just as Peter and the disciples had fished all night, and they were aggravated, frustrated. Where are the fish? We don't have anything to eat. There's nothing here. We have no outcome, no product of our labors. But joy comes in the morning. When that baby is born, there's going to be joy. The joy will be reestablished. When we labor and we labor and we labor, we're throwing seeds, we're throwing seeds and throwing seeds. There's going to be joy that's going to come. There's going to be joy in the morning because these things happen at night. Remember that, that the midnight hour, those things the scripture refer to the midnight hour, some of the darkest times. The most tiredest times, if you're up at midnight, you're probably tired and weary. But wait a little bit until morning time. The joy comes because the sun arise. Does he not? The sun will arise. What did Jesus say? For my, my return will be like lightning striking from east to west. He's going to come from the east and he's going to go to the west like lightning. Joy comes in the morning. Wait. Wait and wait. The sun will rise. The sun of Jesus Christ will rise up in your life and bring light into the darkness. And guess what? The sun rises always slow. You see progress. The twilight comes. You can see that there's the shifting in the atmosphere. Is there not? There's some break in the horizon. And it turns from twilight to sunrise. And our life begins. Our day begins. Amen. Wow, this is a powerful message. This should be ministering to you right now. I want you to understand they fished all night and were not catching anything. I cannot help you believe, or I can't help but believe that they were sorrowful, not happy with, you know, not catching anything, wanting to quit, wanting to give up, that they worked throughout the night with no harvest. This is going to happen to the saints. It's happening now. It's happening now. We haven't seen any great harvest. And in the body of Christ, there's so much corruption. And I'm talking about sin. People haven't gotten delivered from their sin and their iniquities. But joy comes in the morning. We're going to have a harvest that's going to be like 
the, the sunrise. It's going to be like the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's going to be joy knowing the things that are happening. Verse 6, and he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. How would he know that? Oh, yeah, right. You know how to fish, huh? We've been doing this all night. So they're just only on the right side of the boat. I believe that that is a word to the body of Christ. We're laboring, we're laboring, but we're doing it the wrong way. And Jesus is going to come. And he's going to instruct us. Try it this way. Try it this way. Try it like this. Try this. See if it works. Let me know how it works out for you. Amen. Could it be modern day church as we know it today is, doesn't quite have it right? Churches are shutting down all over the United States. They're going to foreclosure. The properties are being sold. If those churches would not be going out of business. Matter of fact, those churches wouldn't even have to have a loan on their church if they had a harvest. Because there'd be so many people there, they would pay for it. Wouldn't have to get a loan. These churches stay in debt. It's revolving debt, man. They just, every three to five years, the loan comes, the call, and they have to refinance the church again. Constant evolution of debt. I don't think the Lord wants that. Pay it off. Don't pay the, pay the bare minimum. The churches are pay, paying the bare minimum, just paying interest only. They can't get out of it. But if they had a harvest, that wouldn't be an issue. I love the story that Jensen Franklin tells about his first church that he built in Marietta, Georgia. The banks denied him a loan. He prayed and they prayed and they needed this. They needed this church. You know, they had more people than they could accommodate. And the, the bank turned him down. So Jensen Franklin gets up there Sunday morning, begins to preach. And he said that we went to get our loan and the, and the bank refused the loan. And he named the bank. He named it probably by accident, not being naive and and, and what he was saying, not just because he was a little frustrated and, and maybe a little angry and disappointed. He'd been rejected. And you know what happened? The people of that church, which was a mega church, by the way, went and drew out all their money to the point the bank had to close its doors because the bank was losing all its accounts. Lots of money. People were drawing it out. And I don't know if they were holding it or taking it and opening another account in another bank. On Monday morning, the, or that, that, that same day or maybe the next day, the bank calls Jensen and said, Mr. Franklin, we need you to come right away to our office. And he said, oh, well, what's going on? And he sat down, the, the bank president, not just of that branch, but the bank highest executive officer was there, said, this is what's happening. What did you say in church? We're losing accounts. The bank is losing assets, and it's going to cause our our ratings to fall, and the, the Federal Reserve will come in and take over this bank. And he says, well, I, I, he tells the story what he did, and he didn't mean any harm by it. And so they took the loan application that was in a folder, and they slid it across the conference room table to him. And he got a revelation. He didn't need the bank. People went and got their money, and I don't know how much they got. I think it was in the millions of dollars, obviously. And the people gave. They said, I don't need your money. God provide. There's joy in the morning. God moved upon this man of God. And provided. Now Jensen Franklin is like the, one of the personal pastors to President Trump. Isn't that awesome? 
Isn't it great to have a man of God like that, working with the president, praying with him, going to meeting with him, sharing God and Christ, the love of Jesus with our president? It's amazing. Praise God for that. But I wanted to share this with you. I, I think this story is relevant. There's joy in the morning. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it, draw in the nets, because of the multitude of fish. So they cast the nets on the right side, like Jesus instructed. He said, you'll find some over there. So they cast the nets, and they caught a multitude of fish. So this is a type of shadow of the end-day harvest. We're going to be casting, sowing seeds, as they say, sowing seeds, casting that net, and not bringing in anything. This ministry is a prime example of that. We minister all over the world. And yeah, people come to Christ, but it's like, is this it? Man, we ought to be winning the, the city of Havana, or we need to be winning the city of Hyderabad, India, or the city of this or city of that with a great harvest. Well, all the places I've been throughout the world, South Korea, my goodness. <laughs> We're doing it. We may be doing it wrong. We're missing something. We're missing the instructions of Christ. But it, they couldn't draw it in because it was too heavy. So this is what's going to happen in the end days. We're going, during the night, we will labor and labor and labor, and we'll be disappointed. We'll be saddened. We'll be discouraged and wanting to quit. But, but there was, and, and having no success, Lord, what am I doing wrong? Lord, speak to me. Lord, show me. I want to be, in, am I even supposed to be doing this, Lord? I know there's a lot of pastors that ask that. Lord, I've done this. I've given up this. Even Peter said that. I gave up everything to follow you. He said, no, no, you hadn't. No, you hadn't. We're going to labor at night. It's God's divine plan for us to, to labor and labor and labor. With, and, and chances are, with no success. But in the morning, the harvest will be great at the command of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the body of the church who will speak to the body and say, cast your net over there like that, and we'll do it. Not really believing what our outcome would be. Do you think the disciples, after all night, believed that it was going to make any difference from one side of the boat to the other side of the boat? Do you think it would really matter? What difference is going to make? Whatever you say, man, we'll give it a try. What else do we have to lose? We have done nothing, so maybe that's, the, maybe that's what we need to do is try this. Everything else has failed but this. See, that's the challenge with ministry. We do everything we can and everything we think of to win people to Christ. We got all kinds of programs, all kinds of outreaches, and a lot of them doing good things. There's a purpose for that. Just like they were casting those nets, there was a purpose for that. They were trying to eat for breakfast and have income to sell the fish in the market, right? They were fishermen. That's what they did for a living. And they get up there. And they've done everything that they possibly know to do as professional fishermen. You know, fishermen are very superstitious, too. They put up lucky charms. They have this lucky thing. They do this lucky piece of bait. They got this favorite rod. They get, the fishermen are superstitious. I think even these fishermen were superstitious. If I stand this way and do it this way... I've caught fish like that before. Maybe it'll happen again. Maybe if I do this, that'll happen. The Lord wants us to fail so that we know that it's his doings. 
not because we believe in something or we do it a certain way and it works. I think that's a problem with a lot of movements that we've seen in my lifetime. God moved, and we, and, and I really believe in many of these instances, God revealed himself in a way that he had never revealed himself to man, like, like the Pentecostal movement that happened in, the, in Tennessee and North Carolina, the birthplace of the Church of God and the Assembly of God and the, the Church of God of Prophecy and all these Pentecostal churches were birthed out of that, not out of Europe, out of there out of the, the, the Appalachian Smoky Mountain regions of Tennessee and North Carolina. And, and it worked. Something happened when they worshiped this way and they began to speak in tongues this way and the man began to do this and the man began to do that. It became a ritual of religion. And I said a week or two ago that Pentecostals are some of the most religious people I've ever known because I was one of them. Because that's how God moved. We did this, and this is what, and they kept doing the same thing, believing if they follow a certain format, doing the same thing over and over again, that that's going to bring down the glory of God. God has shut down every movement that I have known since I've been alive. Yeah, it, it went for a season. It did its time. It made its course, and then it just ooh, drops off. It's over. I can tell you what happened. People began to seek the spiritual things and seeking the movement and trying to duplicate that movement rather than Christ Jesus. They took their eyes off the purpose of that, of Christ Jesus. It just becomes a cultural behavior. I can't stand the word church culture because we get everything in our head but Christ Jesus. How we should dress, what kind of music we should play, uh, you know, whether we do hymns or whether we do worship songs or play a guitar versus an organ or, or you know, have a special guest singer or, or whatever it is, lighting and now smoke and, and, you know, even some churches have had fireworks. Yeah, in New York, there's churches that shoot fireworks off because it's a big production, appeasing to the flesh of men. Wow, look at that. This is really cool. But even people get tired of eating at the same place every day, do they not? That's why people come and go. We as a body of Christ keep doing the same thing, trying to get the same results rather than going after the man, Jesus Christ, who gives us a new revelation, a new joy, a new, a new hope, a new revelation, a new glory, and a new faith, and a new uh, strength. We get wrapped up in these things. Joy will come in the morning. But these fishermen were very disappointed. They did everything they knew to do. They had been fishing all their lives. Matter of fact, I don't believe Peter ever went to school because he was unlearned. And there's even historical documents that says that he couldn't even write. So he grew up in the family business as a fisherman, working with his hands and earning a living. Didn't have to go to school because he had money. He didn't have to go and learn something, learn chemistry in order to be a doctor. He already knew how to be a fisherman and, was, and his family were doing quite well at it. I probably. But he did everything he had learned in a lifetime. And again, I think this is what's happening. We have a lifetime in Christ Jesus. And so we remember things that, oh, if I, when I did this, this happened. And when I did this, this happened. And we try to bring the Holy Spirit down by some remembrance of a movement and experience we had with God, expecting the same kind of results. And that's not going to happen. I mean, it may happen, but it will only last for a period of time and then it will 
not happen anymore because you're seeking the wrong thing instead of Christ Jesus. Seek Christ and those things of the Spirit will be added unto you. Matthew 9, verse 35, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sick and and every disease, every sickness and disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, uh uh-oh, here they come, the multitudes. When he saw the multitudes of people, he was moved with compassion for them. See? Salvation comes with the compassion of God because he loves you. He had compassion for them because they, listen to this, this is why he had compassion. He saw things in the spiritual world, the spiritual realm, because they were weary, not because they had walked to see him, but they were weary spiritually and scattered. They were scattered from the shepherd, not from the multitude, but from the shepherd. Because they were already traveling in a multitude already, were they not? They were doing what the other people were doing. If if we just do this together, perhaps we can get this result. But he saw their word, and they were scattered. The multitudes were scattered all over the place, like sheep having no shepherd, getting lost, going away from the unfertile grounds into the the grounds that have have no grass, maybe caught up in the thickness of the woods. You know why? They're seeking everything but the shepherd. That's why they got lost. Let me just go down this way and see, see where it happens, where it ends up. Let me go this way and let me see where I end up and see what happens. They get lost. And that's the problem with the body of Christ. We're, many of us are seeking things. Let's try this and let's try that. Rather than the man, the shepherd, trying to get him and let him lead us to where he wants to, to go, which is to steal waters and green pastures. He wants to places in the cool of the, of the comfort, of the safe place of him. The sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, this is, you know, after he had compassion on the multitudes, the harvest truly is plentiful. This is what's going to happen. There's people going to be coming to Christ, trying to find Jesus, and all these groups of companies of people, about 150 or so, but they're truly lost. They don't know if it's the right thing or not. They're going to just going to try it out and see, perhaps. But he's going to have compassion. The harvest is plentiful, truly plentiful. And the people to do the work, the labors are few. Now, think about this. Those multitudes that were coming in his direction probably had someone that was in charge in leading them. There's always a group leader, someone that people kind of look to to let them make the decisions. Do they not? It's true. You get a group of people together and there's always going to be one dominant person that seems to, that people tend to listen to and tend want to follow or say, okay, whatever you say, sounds good to me. And this is what's happening in the body of Christ. The harvest is plentiful and the labors are few. Not a lot of people do the work to get people to Christ. Therefore, pray. This is Jesus telling the disciples, Therefore, pray. And he's telling us this. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, send out, send them out to where these multitudes came from into God's harvest. See, we got it backwards. We set up a place and people come to it 
rather than us going out to the multitudes. That's not how the government of God works. But we want it to work that way. But we see how that's going, don't we? But don't forsake the assembly of the saints. <laughs> Stop assembling, go out into the harvest. Because Jesus said it himself, there's not very many people doing it. Labors are few. We need more help to win people to the kingdom of God. The people aren't going to find the churches because they're lost. They're lost. We got to go where the multitudes are. Luke 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. Okay? So the Lord's appointing people to do some things, right? This is Jesus. He's appointed 70 other people. And he's not talking about the, the disciples. So he sent out the disciples first. Then he sent out 70 other people, okay? Other than the disciples, the, the apostles, that you would call them. Sent them two by two before, his, before God's face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. See, Jesus was about to go. Remember? It's, it's dark right now. And we're trying to get the harvest. But it was still dark, but this, the morning hadn't quite come yet. But Jesus was about to show up there where he himself, Jesus himself, was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest is truly great. Think they really knew what the harvest was? I don't know. Probably not. But the labors are few. Here he is talking about it again. But the labors are therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into God's harvest. God's fields, God's plantations, go your way. He's saying, go on, go your way, go the direction you need to go. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Isn't this amazing? The multitudes are the wolves, but we're going out there as lambs to be devoured by the wolves. Did you know that? We are to convert wolves into lambs. Has anyone ever told you that? No one's ever said that. They think we go out and the wolves are waiting to ambush us. No. I send you out as lambs among the wolves. Go to the wolves and convert them. Bring them to, to God. Bring them to me. I'm about to come there. I'm about to bring, bring the daylight and they're going to be saved. And he says, carry neither money, a money bag, a knapsack to carry your things in, like food and a sleeping bag and your toothbrush and whatever you're going to take. Nor sandals. Don't take you another pair of shoes. And greet no one along the road. Basically, go unnoticed. Go in stealth. Don't announce yourself. But whatever house you enter, so whatever house you go into, listen to this, this is so important. First say, here's a commandment. Peace to this house. That means Jesus, come to this house. Jesus, come. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's peace. Peace to this house. Jesus to this house. And his son, and if, a, and if the son of peace is there, that would be Jesus. If Jesus is there, if he shows up, your peace, Christ will rest on it. If not, it will come back to you. That means he's going to follow you wherever you go. Amen? Now, you see, those multitudes did not go where he was. He went out. They went out to the wolves. Amen? Continuing in Luke 10, verse 7. And remain in the same house. Stay there, in that house. 
eating and drinking such things as they give. Receive what they give because they're going to be happy. They're going to they're want to bask in the presence of the peace of God because Jesus came to that place and they bring Christ Jesus. And he said, peace, be in this house. Jesus, come to this house, whatever city you enter, and, and they receive you, eat such things as they set before you. I have trouble with that some countries I've been to, but I do my best. Getting a little too picky now, but give me one minute and I'll get to that caller, okay? But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say. If, like if they reject, if you go in there and then they, they's like, get out of here, we don't want to hear any of this, and say this. The very dust of your city, which clings to us, to our, to our feet, to our shoes, we wipe off against you. We cast it back on you. We don't want, to, we don't want any part of it on us. The very dust of your city, we, uh, say, nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. Know that we brought Jesus, and you almost had him. He came close, but you rejected it. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in the day of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that city. Jesus is going to be the wrath of God on these cities that reject him. These wolves are going to reject the lambs, the peace. They're going to reject Jesus Christ, and there's going to be a day of reckoning. Oh, amen. I'm on a roll. Praise God. Okay, Chuck, you want to introduce our caller? Yes, this is Ann calling in. Ann, go ahead. You're uh, on with the colonel. Hi, Ann. Where are you calling from? Hi. Oklahoma. Well, welcome. Well, Ann, what would you like the Lord to do for you tonight? Ann, what, yeah. what would you like the Lord to do for you tonight? Free me. Do what? I didn't understand what you said. To free me. To save you? No, to free me. Oh, to free you. Free you from what? What do you want to be freed I just, of? What? I just go to what? Be specific. Uh, main thing I have is a lot of anger and a lot of anger and hate in my life. Okay. Is this anger and hate toward yourself or toward somebody else? Both. Okay. How long have you been angry? Um, probably over 30 years. Most of your life, I assume? Mm. I'm in my early 50s. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I, um, I need to be free from... Um, homosexual stuff. Okay. Are you practicing homosexual right now? No, not right now. How long have you been but practicing the, homosexuality? The the the, 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 the desires are really strong. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, have you, are you just, I, I guess, are you a, a woman or a man? Yeah. So, you're a woman? Woman. Okay, and and how long have you been struggling with the temptations of lesbianism? Ten years. Okay, and I you know, I am I almost committed suicide ten years ago over. Yeah, See, I wanted to die. Yeah, that's what happens. People are so miserable when they do that. They know it's wrong, and and homosexuality is a road to death. And so I think you know that, but I'm just sharing that with other, other people. All right. Um, 
you know, this is a, a lot to take on. But what, let's just deal with the anger for now. And, and hopefully in the future we can figure something else out. I did get your email, by the way. But my email is down. And let me say this as well. I'll say this publicly. That I, I, I work a full-time job. And in my time, I used to do full-time ministry. But I've had to go back to, to work. And I don't have the time anymore like I used to, to to minister to people two or three hours a day. So then my email broke this week, too, so I couldn't respond back to you. And uh, so I'm in the process of getting that fixed. So I just want people to know that I, I just, you know, I, 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 di I didn't email you. Oh, you didn't? Well, someone by the name of Ann emailed me, but maybe uh, contact me through the website, maybe. I've, I've, I'm brand new here. I, I've never heard of you before. Oh, how'd you find out about us? Um, through, uh, through Witness. Witness Project. Witness Project. Okay. Well, somebody with that name tried to reach me last week, so I, I thought it was you, so forgive me. But I want you to know that, okay, that, you know, kind of what my situation is. All right, Ann, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Not sure. Not sure? Well, if you're not sure, you don't know him, okay? You, you, you know what we want to do. Was, I, I think. Go ahead. I think there was a. I think there was a. I think there was a time when I was about eighteen. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that's come and gone, right? So you you've gone back into sin, right? And you, you're you're dealing with great great temptations, and you're doing your best to fight it off. And you need to keep doing that, okay? Yeah. Just just keep mm -hmm. keep faithful to Christ. All right, so let's let's do this. What I want you to do is say. Lord Jesus, I'm going to say it. Say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I don't know if he can. He can. That's why he died for you. He died for me. My sins were just as bad as yours. Okay? So I know there's hope. Say, say Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. There you go. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you're the Son of God. Help me to forgive people who have hurt me. Help me to forgive people that have hurt me. I want to forgive them. I want to forgive them. And I want to be able to love them again. And I want to be able to love them again. Regardless of what they've done to me. <clears throat> Regardless of what they've done to me. And Lord, help me to forgive myself. And help me to forgive myself. For I even hate myself. For I even hate myself. Because my sins have been great. Because my sins have been great. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Set me free from bondage. Set me free from bondage. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, believe it or not, there's a celebration going on in heaven right now. Your name was just written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're recorded now for professing and believing Jesus Christ is the Son of God. All right? And your sins have just been blotted out by the blood of the Lamb, who is Jesus. And you're right now, you're made clean. Do you feel any different? No. Okay. Just, just really nervous. Real nervous? Yeah. Okay. Right now you have a lot of shame in your life because of 
think your behaviors. Okay, you've we've all been foolish. We've all done foolish things, and foolish things are things we regret. Okay, we've all done things that we regret. Okay, but guess what? When you ask the Lord to forgive you, He forgets it. Now we don't forget. We remember, but He forgets it. As far as the east is from the west, that means forever. He's forgotten it.、Mm. Now, at this time, what you need to do is stop sinning, stop doing unrighteousness, stop doing things that you regret, and put your heart upon Christ Jesus. Okay. Now, let me just minister to you now. Well, I, I tell you what. Repeat after me in the name of Jesus. Jesus. I forgive my mother and father. I forgive my mother and father who've passed down generational curses to me. Who've passed down generational curses to me through the bloodline. Through the bloodline. I forgive them, Lord. I forgive them, Lord. I forgive them the way they hurt me in my life. I forgive them the way they hurt me in my life. The way they talk to me. The way they talk to me. And the things they did to me. Things they did to me. And the way they treated me. And the way they treated me. I forgive them, Lord. I forgive them, Lord. I pray the blessings of the Word of God over their life. You know, even if they're dead, it's okay. You can still say that. Yeah, but they're both gone. Yeah, I will say it again because you're going to speak it, and it's going to, it's going to travel forever. Say,、um, I, I pray because you're, what you're doing is you're speaking a, a blessing. Okay. I pray the blessings of the、yeah. word of God over their life. Pray the blessings of the word of God over their lives. And Lord, I forgive them. And Lord, I forgive them. I put all the curses under the blood. I put all the curses under the blood. And I choose to love them today. I choose to, to love them today. Even though they're gone. Even though they're gone. I want to love them. I want to love them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Okay. Now you just relax. In the name of Jesus, spirit of rebellion, you're bound by the authority of Jesus Christ, and we cast you out in the name of Jesus. And you're not to bother Anne anymore. You leave her now. Spirit of rejection, you're bound by the authority of Jesus Christ, and we cast you out. By the name of Jesus, and all the hurt caused by rejection and caused by rebellion, you go now in the name of Jesus. Spirit of homosexuality and perversion, you come out in the name of Jesus. Come out in the name of Jesus. Come out, come out, perversion. Come out. That's right. Come out. She no longer wants you. She rejects you. She gave her heart to Jesus Christ, and you're no longer allowed to. To bother her, you come out. All those temptations, all those cravings, all those lustful thoughts, you go now in the name of Jesus. Come out, come out. Even death and suicide and depression and shame, go now in the name of Jesus. Self pity, go in the name of Jesus. All rejection, go in the name of Jesus. Feeling、uh, all these feelings of not being worthy enough, not good enough. Not beautiful, whatever it is, you go now in the name of Jesus. All that rejection of not feeling good enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough, whatever it is, 
you go now in the name of Jesus. That spirit of hurt, you go now. Because she's hurt, she's seeking love in the wrong places, trying to find a, an artificial stimulant for the love of Jesus Christ. You go now in the name of Jesus. Go now. Come out. Come out of her now. You leave her now. Come out. All shame. Go now in the name of Jesus. Come out. Come out now in the name of Jesus. Leave her now. Come out. Come out in the name of Jesus. All sadness. All disappointment. That's right. Come out in the name of Jesus. That hurt little girl. Come out in the name of Jesus. Come out. Yes, come out. Manifest and come out now. Come out. You leave her now. Come out. Come out. Come out in the name of Jesus. Come out. Yes, come out. You leave her now. Leave her now. All that abuse, come out. All that hurt, all that hatred and anger, come out now in the name of Jesus. You must leave by the authority of Jesus Christ. You leave her now. Okay, Anne has dropped, if I understand that right. Okay, so, Chuck, are there any more callers? Yeah, she did drop. No, Sam is on the line. Sam joined us in order to uh, pray. So maybe he wants to come on and say something. All right, Sam, you got anything to add? For tonight, uh, how you doing, Pastor Colonel? Yeah, it's so Just good to hear from you. I tried to call you today. one day. Been wanting to talk to you, man. I, I know. We need to catch up. I just was calling to support. We were watching. Caitlin and I were watching tonight, and just calling to support in the background and just praying for Ann. And well, um, yeah, just, Caitlin, uh, thank you. I know you're I'm a mighty prayer warrior. Thank you for your prayers. Please intercede for Ann. Um. I think we were making some progress and uh, some things happened there. She dropped off, but thank you so much for joining us. Are you watching on video? Yeah, we were watching on video. Which, yeah. what, what are you watching? Yeah, Is on it you, YouTube? On you, YouTube. YouTube. Very on good. On YouTube. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I got yeah. it on Facebook or not. I I'm got one little technical thing with Facebook I'm trying to work through. Well, thank you for joining us, Sam. I, I'm so glad you're with us and, and uh, miss you a lot, actually. And uh, hope to catch you up too, with you brother. Okay, very good. Well, let's get back to John chapter 21. We're now at verse 7. This is a powerful word. This is very powerful. We're going to continue. So you remember, Jesus told them to cast the nets to the other side. And they had been fishing all night. No success. They were disappointed, maybe sorrowful, maybe aggravated and frustrated. But then they just caught about 150 Three fish. So therefore, the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter. So this is John talking to Peter. It is the Lord. Look, it's the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard it, it was the Lord. He, he put on his clothes, his outer garments, for he had removed them because he was working, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 Cubits, so maybe 200 yards. Dragging the net with fish. Dragging. So you know what? I bet they were paddling really hard with that heavy load dragging behind them. You know, when I was in the Army, I went to uh, uh, water, the water infiltration course, like scuba school. And we had to swim in the ocean. It was really easy to swim in the ocean because you're, you're more buoyant. That means you can float easier in salt water. But we had to drag our gear behind us, so we tethered a, a, you know, a, a bag, 
if you will, waterproof bag that we would have buoyancy that it would it wouldn't go to the top, but it would it, we would weigh it down to where it would be under water a little bit, so it wouldn't be seen, and we would we would uh, you know swim, and uh, and look, you had to carry ammunition, you had to carry radios and batteries. That stuff is heavy, all that gear, you know, and swimming and dragging it. So you swim, but just imagine you're dragging another 50 to 100 pounds behind you, and this is these guys, and it's very hard swim so you try to swim with the current in order to help make it into the shore but anyway i understand this because i've done it I, I know what it's like to try to make progress in the water with no with things dragging you back or holding you back the extra load the extra weight and so here are these other disciples there's quite a few of them in a little boat dragging that big net of fish behind them and working up a, a, a quite a cardiovascular workout I would say, okay? But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from the land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then, as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. Man, wow. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land. Now, I know it was... 153 fish, but I think these were like really big fish. Okay, I don't think they were small perch or small fish. I think these were really big fish. Okay, so Peter went and dragged the net. So just think, if, if one fish weighed three pounds, how much weight would that be? Three times 353? Talking about a lot of weight. Dragging it, one man. What if it were five-pound fish or 10-pound fish? Think of what it would weigh. That's what I'm talking about. If he had a bunch of little perch, he could carry that fairly easy. Or small fish, right? But these, I think these were big fish. And he was, because the nets were about, they thought were going to break because they were so strong, such big fish and so many, right? So Simon Peter went up and dragged a net to land full of large fish, 153. And although they were so many, the net was not broken. And this is what it's going to be like in, in the last days in the harvest. Nothing's going to break the move of God when the harvest comes. God will contain them, even though it may appear that there would be no way that we could pull this off and, 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 and get these into the kingdom of God. But the net will hold them together and, and, we, and we'll be able to drag them, drag them in into the kingdom of God. They're not going to be lost. They're not going to escape. God's going to make sure that they, they're, they're harvested because it's his harvest. He's not going to waste his harvest. Amen. And I can relate that to picking peaches or working in the garden. You just don't, you just don't want to waste because you work so hard, put all that labor into it, and you don't want to just have a complacent attitude about picking your beans or your butter beans, or we had purple beans, and we had squash and okra, tomatoes, obviously, and, and many other types of vegetables. And we made sure that we got as much as we could because the winter was going to be long, always. It's always long. Anyway, we see that Jesus is bringing the harvest to himself. There's going to be labors, but he's going to have, because he's the head, he's going to have his labors go out and bring it to him. He will not lose any that the Father gives him, 
even if it looks impossible. He's not going to lose them. It's not going to happen. Let's look at John chapter 6, verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. See, there we go. Everything that God gives Christ will come to him. It will, he will get it. And the one who comes to me, I by no means will cast out or cast away or reject. It's not going to happen. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. See, Jesus didn't come to do it for himself. He's doing it for the Father. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I shall not lose nothing. So that's the will of God. God doesn't want to lose anything. So you think if God says, I'm not going to lose it, you think you're going to lose it? No, it'll come in into the harvest, but should raise up in the last day. So this is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he that God has given me, I shall not lose anything or nothing, but should raise it up. Everything he's given will raise it up in the last day, resurrection. Talking about the resurrection of the saints. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son of God, I like to think who comes into the presence of God, comes into the knowledge of the Son of God, believe in him may have everlasting life. I know the word is see, but I don't know if that's actually see, but I think it comes into believing. Uh, I think it comes into uh, accepting to have everlasting life and will raise him or her up at the last day. That's a promise. This is a promise of what the harvest is going to be like. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. So that's the first time I know that Jesus ate breakfast right here. Yet none of his disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. I didn't say Jesus, but the Lord. It was God himself. It was the son of God. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. You see, this is like the third time that this is recorded where Jesus feeds people with the fish and the bread. This is so symbolic, so symbolic. Then now the third time, or excuse me, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he raised from dead. So this is the, the third and final time that Jesus reveals himself in the flesh after being raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, so when they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, did you love me more than these? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said to Peter, feed my lambs. So you see, Peter is feeding the lambs to equip them to be able to go out and convert wolves into lamb. The shepherds, so Peter as a shepherd, the shepherds are to feed the lambs, equip the lambs with the gospel of Jesus Christ and send them into the wolves and make them into lambs. Did you know that? He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said to Peter, tend to my sheep. Remember, Jesus had compassion on these multitudes. They were lost. You had the blind leading the blind. The sheep are blind. They don't know what's right for them. They don't know what's good for them. So they're going down these various ways without the head 
the shepherd, leading them. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved. He's probably aggravated because the Lord did something to me very similar. And I got kind of aggravated with Jesus asking me the third time. But anyway, Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And, and I think he got a little aggravated, a little frustrated, do you, you know, saying, do you love me? I've already told you twice. How many more times I got to tell you? Kind of and then, and he said to Jesus, Lord, you know all things because you're Lord, right? You know all things. You know that I love you. Why are you asking me? Kind of thing, you know? This is kind of how I'd say it. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep so they can go out into the wolves, making into lambs. I'm adding that, but that's the whole thing behind it. That's why we go out among the wolves. Do you think we go out among the wolves to, to, to rescue other lambs? No. We go out as lambs to convert wolves into lambs. Instead of being a predator, make them the, the innocent victim. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will girt you, carry you where you do not wish. This Jesus spoke, signifying what death Peter would glorify God. And when Jesus had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. See, only thing Peter had to do was follow Jesus, go where he goes, follow the head, and feed the sheep. Get the sheep and send them into the, into the wolves so the sheep, the lambs, can convert the wolves. Now, that's through the power of Jesus Christ. They, you know, convert the wolves into lambs. Show them how to feed like lambs. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, speaking to John. So Peter turned around, looked at John, who also had leaned upon Jesus' chest at the supper, at the Last Supper, and said, Lord, who is this one who betrays you? So this is when John laid his head upon the chest of Jesus and said, who is it that's going to betray you? You know, when Jesus said, one of you are going to betray me. And John laid his hand on the chest of Jesus. Who is it, Lord? Who is it? Tell me. Tell me quietly in my ear. Jesus said to him, if you, if I will, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped one. Peter, seeing, seeing John, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? What about John? What are you going to tell him to do? Because see, Jesus just instructed Peter in front of all the other disciples after breakfast. And so Peter and John were very close to Jesus. All right. So Peter said, well, you just told me what to do. You just told me how I'm going to die. How's he going to die? Right? Signifying how he's going to die. Talking about dying on a cross. Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, that means stay alive till I come, what is that to you? What is it your business? You just follow me. What does it matter to you what is going to happen to John? It's none of your business what I have for John. I'm not going to, I don't need to tell you. But you just follow me and mind your own business. That's probably what Jesus was saying, but that's what was written down. I think there were some things said that weren't actually written to accuracy, but, you know, the point was made. Then this saying went out among the brethren that, his, that this disciple would not die. So see, so here's Jesus telling Peter how he was going to die. And he says, well, what about John? How's he going to die? Don't worry about John. That's none of your business. Only you got, I just told you to follow me and that's all you got to do. Don't worry about him. And so now the disciples are thinking, 
Well, John's not going to die. How's that? How's this going to happen? What about me? Well, am I going to live forever? Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if I will, if it's my will, and it would have to be the will of the Father too, that he remain till I come. Unless he, if it's my will that he stays alive until that day I come, what is that your business? What is it to you? Isn't that kind of like us? We're competing with fellow Christians that we should have this kind of thing and do this and be able to do that. And there, let's see, let's see, where is it? This is disciple who testifies. So this is John. He's talking about himself. I'm the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. So I'm the one who witnessed these things and I'm the one that wrote it down. And we all know that my testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which they were not written, you know, on each event, each thing. There was many other things that we could write about, but they're not written down. I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written about what Jesus did. Amen. Praise God. Well, that's the, that's the end of the book of John. And we covered a lot, spoke a lot. I'm seeking God about how to approach the epistles, the, the, the letters that, and the other events that were written by other people that make up the, the rest of the New Testament and, and what to, how to approach that, I'm not sure. And um, we'll just see what happens. But I'm going to just con- continue taking it verse by verse and teaching you and training you because the only way to know Jesus is to know his word. Only way to know God is to know his word. It says, keep my commandments, right? If you love me. Okay, Chuck, introduce us to our next caller, please. This is a return caller. This is Bernadette. Bernadette, you're on with the colonel. Hi, Bernadette. Okay. How are you tonight? Hi. Um, I'm doing okay. How are you? You doing any better? Yeah, um, little by little. Um, I think. You know, God's revealing, like, deeper things to me, and it's not—it doesn't really seem like a a depression. It's more of, like, demonic spirits, and um, I don't know if I should say how much I should say on this or not. It's up to you. But, you know, to really make um, this this time that we're doing really interesting— you know, if you can share it, share it because it 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 helps with the uh, with the story. You know, so it's up to you. Share what you want. Yeah, I just think that someone around me is practicing witchcraft, and in return, it's been causing maybe curses or things to happen, and that's why. Uh, that's probably why the past maybe nine. 10 months, I've, I've been, um, uh, things have, the enemy's been trying to destroy things around me, like, it's just been weird, like, just odd, and it's not thing I'm intentionally causing, but it's just, I guess I'm still at the beginning stages of God revealing some things to me. Okay, so, so how, how are you approaching, what's, what's happening? Okay, so you suspect that someone is uh, casting spells on you in, uh, in some form or fashion through witchcraft or just through word verses and those kind of things. So what are you, how are you uh, facing 
that? How are you approaching? How are you attacking it? How are you coming against all that? The only thing I know to do is pray and look mm-hmm. up specific prayers online to cancel curses or bad dreams and speak against the things and the thoughts that are in my head. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is these thoughts or whatever strange things happen, and I just dwell on them minute after minute, hour after hour, and it places a wedge in between me and praying and talking to God. Yeah. Well, you're doing the right things. Um, I'm going to share this with you. Uh, some people have actually done real witchcraft in front of me, cast spells on me right mm-hmm. in front of me. And here's the thing. You're a child of God. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're doing the right thing. If you're, if, if you got the blood of the lamb on you, that stuff is going to bounce off. Okay. Okay. Cause this person is, um, is a minister, but saying they're a Christian and I, I don't, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but it's like, for me, I don't see the fruit. Yep. Like, I, I just write through it, like, the person comes and smiles in my face, but it's like, there, it's a, it's a front or... Yeah, um, facade. Like a mask. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, but I get frustrated, I'm like, I didn't ask for this, you know, and that's another distraction from me praying, but it's like, I just, I don't know. Okay. Well, here's the thing. You need to pray for that person. Have you been praying for okay. that person? Have you interceded on that person? Not, not a whole lot. I don't. Well, we need to do that. We need to love that person that you feel like is coming against you and take them before God and pray over them and begin to break the things that control them. You know, they may have a spirit of manipulation, okay. which is witchcraft. And, yeah. and, and you need to break it from a distance and, yeah. and, and ask the Lord to intervene and to reveal the truth and the light and the life, a life and a light mm-hmm. to him. If it's a guy and, and, you know, and intercede for that individual and see what happens. They will, okay. I tell you what will happen. They will either run away and you'll never see them again, or they'll come around and you'll begin to see transformation occurring. And, and that's, okay. that's what we need to do. Uh, that's what you need to do. And, and you know, okay. a, as these attacks come, is just ask the Lord to, to bring them into the light, that the Lord would deliver them, that the Holy Spirit would move upon them and convict them, and, and all those things, you mm-hmm. know, and, and just, you know, that the love of, that they would experience the true love of Jesus Christ, and they would have, mm-hmm. it a, they would have a spiritual encounter with God mm-hmm. so that they can know God and believe in God and, and all these things. And, and, and you can okay. pray and say, Lord, I, I give it to you because there's nothing I can do about it, but by your spirit. Right. Okay. Only by your spirit. We can't do it by our own strength. We can't do it by engaging them and trying to persuade them with our words, but only by the spirit of God that will touch. Only thing that touches their heart is the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to do. You know, on Thursday night intercession, when we pray on Thursday nights, we pray just that over our nation, that the Lord will right. begin to move and, and that 
and that people would experience God and that, that people would be changed and they would come to know, even those who are like doing the most wicked sins, they can still be right. saved until the Lord is done with them. Yeah. Okay. See, God had already gave up on Sodom and Gomorrah and another city. It was like actually three cities. He, he was going mm -hmm. to destroy them, everybody in it. But Abraham interceded on behalf of his cousin or nephew, Lot, and mm -hmm. his family. And they were, they were deserving of the same death, the same wrath of God. So God had already made a decision to destroy everybody in there, and, but yet they were still saved. They were, they were going to come under the wrath of God, but you can intercede for that person and they can be saved. Even though God has okay. like placed a judgment on them, he can change his mind. So, okay, um, yeah, it's just been difficult because this person tries to give prophecies stuff. Yeah, and it, yeah, I've it's, seen those. It's not, it's not of God, and you know what? I just haven't said anything. If people would stop going after that stuff, that would go away. But there's there's people mm -hmm. wanting so many blessings. They they you know, everybody wants to be blessed and they want to receive something from God. But they need to, first of all, yeah. give to God. And I don't say by offering, but giving, them, giving themselves. They need to surrender themselves before God. They have not yet. Yeah. God has given his son, and they need to receive him. Why would, you mm -hmm. know, I, I get so sometimes agitated by people running after these prophets and, oh, speak a word over me. Speak a word over me, man of God. Speak a word over me, sister. You know, whatever prophetess. And, and, you know, right. none of that matters unless you give yourself to Christ Jesus. Right. And so anyway, I, I know, but if I guess people just need to stop going after that and, and stroking the fire, if you will. And uh, but pray, you know, ask the Lord to expose him. Sometimes people, when they come mm -hmm. into humility and get revealed and they're humbled, Sometimes, you know, a lot of times they will repent, come to come to the Lord and then Lord, will, the Lord will use them in a, in a once they come, you know, really born again, they, they'll be used in a much greater capacity. Right now, it's all in the flesh right. or through demons. Right. So, um, yeah, anyway, well, you want me to pray over you real quick? Yes, that's fine. Father, I just thank you. For Bernadette, I thank you the way you're teaching her and showing her things in the spirit, Lord. I ask you to relieve her, relieve her, relieve her of this problem. Lord, that you would put a, a barrier of the Holy Spirit between her and this individual. Lord, that they would not even come into contact with her eyes. It would be so far apart. The barrier would block them. And Lord, I ask you to touch Bernadette's mind, heal her completely, restore her physically, and mentally, and you would move upon her life, Lord, and her husband. And Lord, this man, we give him to you. Lord, that you would do a great work in him, a, a, a change in his life, coming into the, the, a new knowledge of God. And Lord, I ask you to deliver him from religion and his own cardinal thinking, that he would have the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ, the heart of God and the mind, with the renewing of his mind and his heart. And Lord, whatever... Um, things that are happening in this church or whatever it is, Lord, I ask you to bring the truth to the front. Let the truth be revealed. 
all the adulterous affairs, all the flirting, all the, all the uh, uh, wrongful behaviors that are shameful and embarrassing. Lord, I ask you to expose it, expose the truth so that people will repent and humble themselves and come after you so they can heal their land. Touch Bernadette, Lord. Heal her family. Touch her family. Give them favor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Amen. God bless you. you. Thank you for calling. God bless you, too. God bless you. Well, we only have like two and a half minutes. Um, I see we got a new caller, but I don't know if I can really do much tonight for that, whoever it is. So I would encourage you to call on Thursday night. We do Thursday night intercession. We pray. We intercede. But if we have time, we do take calls. We do allow people to call in and pray. If you want to do that, Thursday night intercession at 8.30 Central Time. That would be 9.30 Eastern and 5.30 Pacific. If I got that right. No, it would be uh, 6.30 Pacific. And, and we just invite you to come and join us. Some people just listen. That's fine. And come into agreement. Other people feel led to pray. And we, we welcome that. It's just a time that we come together as a family of God and to pray. Well, 90 seconds. That's all I have for tonight. Lord, I just thank you for the, your word. I think it was powerful, Lord. It was, I, I know it was anointed. Thank you for blessing the word tonight. And Lord, let it touch people's lives and, and it would opening their, their, their heart and their mind to the things of your will and the things to come and how they can prepare themselves for the harvest. Prepare themselves to, to be laborers. Prepare them to be shepherds, Lord. Prepare them to, to do seconds. the things that they need to do, Lord, by believing Jesus is a son of God and that they would come into the knowledge of you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Thursday night. Have a wonderful week. Take care.